0: I think it's literally going to have to be about how well those two guys perform Maguire and Stones because at this level and certainly as you go deeper into the competition you can't be holding the hands of your center half. they're so going to have to perform so
1: we're all part of the Ronaldo show like we're all watching it even if we complain about it I go on about it like it's been annoying me for the last sort of six months I can't am sick of this story
2: but read, you know, read all about what I'm saying in this morning so. yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Some say the World Cup only truly starts when Brazil played their first game, and it took them 45 minutes to get going before Richarlison sparked them into life with a 2 0 victory against Serbia. The Samba swagger is back, but the most confident, unemployed footballer engineered plenty of headlines yesterday with a goal in Portugal's 3 2 win over Ghana. Irish independent soccer correspondent Daniel McDonald was at the Cristiano Ronaldo show. How was it, Dan?
1: Well, that's what it was. Um, the, the Budweiser man of the match, Cristiano Ronaldo, it must be said. Um, after... I mean, Kevin De Bruyne got the Budweiser Man of the Match award against Canada. He was terrible. I think he actually said it himself. He like, this is a joke. He had the decency to it. say it, yeah. Yeah. Now, it turns out that I think that it's a fan vote. Um, so, it's a fan mm. vote that's responsible for this. And that suddenly maybe it makes a little bit more sense. Um, it's just like, well, who do you recognise? But, um, yeah, the Ronaldo show. I mean, it was obvious he was going to get Man of the Match, even though like he was nowhere near Man of the Match. Um but and I, like i was writing a piece about it and it's sort of funny like you know you actually uh you can be so uh hypocritical in your own way like that you're this is you're writing about this sort of ridiculous focus on ronaldo while yourself doing a piece on cristiano ronaldo you know but you just can't mm-hmm. you can't avoid it like just the, the the whole stadium revolves around him like if you if you were sort of dropped down from mars into the into this stadium which and which is of itself probably feels like it has been dropped down from mars because it's a uh, stadium 974 which is constructed out of uh, 974 uh, recycled shipping containers. It's basically a temporary stadium that they're going to, okay. um, going to pack up and uh, export. Uh, some talk might even go to Uruguay for 2030 if they win it. But anyway, yeah. if you only were dropped into it, like you, and you said, I don't, I know nothing about this place. You would be sort of wondering, well, why are they cheering this fella every time he gets the ball? You know, why is the stadium director cutting to him at every possible opportunity, even on the big screen in the stadium? Yeah. Um, and you, you just can't avoid that focus now. As much as like, there's a sort of a, a slightly, probably even sneery tone, like talking about this. Like he did become the first, uh, you the know, first player to score in five uh, World Cups, you know, which is like yeah. an incredibly historic achievement and reflects his longevity. Um, but it, it was an extraordinary game. Uh, actually, no, I mean it was a really, really ordinary for extraordinary ordinary, half. Like, yeah, extraordinary half. I mean the Diego Costa incident at the end was so close to being one of the great. All-time World Cup moments. I mean, it was just stunning. Uh, and actually, in the in a, stadium,
2: in the stadium, Dan. Sorry, like yes, was there a is, kind of he he's behind you type of vibe about it? Because obviously, on on TV, it was kind of it was kind of missed a little bit.
1: No, great question. Because I was sat. There was a fella sat next to me with his head down doing his report, and he missed it. He actually missed it. And as you can, and I, I completely, I've been there. Absolutely, yeah. Ninety third, ninety fourth minute of the game, you're sort of right on deadline, and he missed it. Like normally, you'd hear that, but. It's probably to me like the perfect illustration of the atmosphere in the grounds because they're, there's, they're, not, they're not as big as what people are saying. Some of these attendances, I don't believe in my no. opinion anyway, um, mm-hmm. um, relative to the capacities. Um, but there was a lot of Portugal fans there, but they weren't really from Portugal. You know? They were cheering Ronaldo and, and that's fine. Like, it was, as I said maybe yesterday, like, Morocco felt authentic. Canada felt very authentic. The Portugal noise didn't. And as a result, there wasn't that sense of, oh, anticipation. And it was also brilliantly at the end of the the ground where... Uh, the only real pocket of Ghana fans was, so they definitely weren't going to be saying no. uh, he's behind you. They were almost in it, and like that was yeah. sort of the. It was just a perfect moment. Like I, I was just lucky. I was looking up at the time and, and saw the whole thing. But he, but even that becomes, you know, what's Ronaldo's reaction? Like let's cut to Ronaldo yeah. on the bench. Let's cut to him. When it, I mean, oh God, it would just would have been if you didn't want. I mean, maybe if you're Portuguese or fake Portuguese, but otherwise, like you want. Uh, you want that goal to be scored, don't you? I mean, the keeper even yeah. There's a
2: couple of famous goals like that, yeah. They, yeah, they, Robbie Keane did one himself. Kind
1: of yeah, like Robbie Keane did one, but like not in a World Cup, like you know. So, um, and and I kind of wonder even what costed the keeper, right? Like at full time, all the players went up to him. You know, the Portuguese subs and everything. Yeah. he got away with one, but do you know, <laughs> I kind of still wonder does it leave a does it leave a, a little bit of a mark? I know you can you can psychoanalyze this in some way and go, um. Oh, you know, he'll he'll be buoyed by the let off. But I don't know; it's still a little bit embarrassing, even though he got away with it. You know, uh, Ronaldo
2: yeah. seemed to be Ronaldo seemed to be screaming at him almost. Now, obviously, my, my, my Portuguese wouldn't be the best, but Ronaldo seemed to be screaming as if to say, "Look, we won; just get over it." You know, yeah. at least look kind of happy with it.
1: Yeah, I couldn't quite figure out what the the, the the what that body language was saying. Yeah, I couldn't. Some people were saying, "Oh, he's admonishing them." It didn't seem like that to me, but. Um, in saying that, you don't know, like you, you, kind of wonder what type of teammate he is. Like he was on the 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 sideline, you know, barking out orders in the final minutes. And again, you're drawn to it because it's so theatrical. Yeah. Like I remember the final days of the final minutes of Euro 2016 when he went off injured, in Portugal and Portugal won it. And he was practically like hobbling along the sideline, like a second coach next to Santos. Yeah. And you're kind of wondering, is this legit? Is this for show? I can't really. Can't really figure it out. Like, you know, before the game, he even sort of wandered over towards the direction of where the main body of photographers were and then stood with his back to them. So they have this shot of him wearing the seven. Yeah. And thinking, this isn't the thing. But, I mean, he was Maybe he's auditioning
2: for Manchester United manager or something like that in the yeah. future, just getting a bit of bit of, bit of coaching experience in game.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, this that this could well be this well could well be where it all ends. I mean, who knows where it's gonna go from. But the um I mean even afterwards then the press conferences were pretty much largely about him. He 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 came in himself and, and pretty much took one question and um and headed off and um you know you almost had this situation where you know fernando santos prior to him was asked "Will ronaldo be coming in to speak to us because um and it was an english voice because i mean of course it's a, it's a huge huge story yeah. and he came in mm-hmm. and gave us one line and he was off and we're all part of the ronaldo show like we're all watching it we're all tuned into even if we complain about it i go on about it why stop talking about manchester united future you know like it's been annoying me for the last sort of six months i can't i'm sick of this story um and yes like but read you know, read all
2: about what i'm saying in this morning so yeah yeah
1: exactly like i've written a piece about the the, the ronaldo the ronaldo sort of uh, the noise and the experience and and like it just takes over every game you're at that he's in whether you, you can consciously go there and go no i'm i'm going to look for the alternative piece on something different and and that's great like you should always be encouraged to do that but the story of the stadium is is all revolving around ronaldo whether you like it or not yeah. but um
2: yeah Yeah, well, later on in the you know World Cups often tend to revolve around Brazil. They they got themselves going eventually again a bit like a bit like the earlier games where it took them forty five minutes to get going. But I mean, when they did Richarlison's goal, it's one of those goals that may not end up being iconic. It's certainly the goal of the tournament so far. Like it was just it was a magic moment, and you've mentioned before about how. How important Brazil are to the to the competition and the vibe around the place. Were, were you able to catch some of that vibe, even if you weren't at the game?
1: Well, yeah, I. Um, I mean, like, I suppose like there's a, there's a diary element to this, isn't it? You always like you personalise it. Um, I decided to nip off home after the Portugal uh, Ghana game. I say nip off home, like it involves like a 25 minute walk to a metro, but I basically figured out that the stadium. That The Portugal-Ghana game was in, 974, is the closest probably to where I was staying. So I just needed to get one metro, five stops. I knew I'd watched it like the first 25 minutes of it in the media centre. And then I said, right, if I travel now, I'll miss the rest of the first half, maybe half time and get sort of, you know, most of the second half around where I am. So I knew... Like it's a very crucial thing about this tournament. Like it's very hard to find anywhere showing the games. Like really difficult. Okay. It's, it's part of the the on uh, uh, the ground, and and it's not just because there's no pubs. It's just in general, and you know, there's there's heavy licensing restrictions, which mean it's it's hard for people to show it anyway. Um, but like, I went into to town earlier in the day to try and find somewhere to watch Cameroon Serbia the second half while maybe having a bit of lunch, and it was yeah practically impossible like I was walking around their version maybe a Grafton Street or Wicklow Street or whatever the main shopping street is where you are and lots of shops and stalls and fans around but nowhere we could like watch it in the window of a
2: you know no no billboard outside no no billboard outside saying showing showing game here
1: no no like or no like even coffee shops or like you know i'm contrasting a place like brazil where i mean the taxi drivers had all the games on in their cars you'd nearly die as they were Mm -hmm. sort of uh cheering gold so you couldn't really find it but Anyway, I got a little bit lost. that's, that's a by the by. You tend to get lost here because just the metros are like popped in and sort of remote enough places. But I got to where I had in mind quite close to me in the in the for the second half of the game it was a restaurant just down the road. and uh, as I was walking down the road, I actually heard this huge roar. Which is nothing that I've <laughs> I haven't really encountered that on the street anywhere, okay. and it was Richarlison's goal. I'd missed the first goal. I just arrived for the second one, but it's the, probably again one of the few times where uh, you've had this genuine atmosphere of like you know walking past the place and there's a big eruption as a goal is scored, and um, it was because I think it was the Brazil game. You know, I think it was yeah. just and because it was one of those moments that you you sort of remember in a weird way. So. I don't have much to offer by way of analysis of the uh, the game itself, um, but but it, it like what I did then see possibly was the best ten minutes of Brazil afterwards, where I was cause I, I read some stuff at half time about how terrible Brazil were. Then I and, and then like I'm just watching them spraying the ball around, like Casemiro's yeah. knocking balls off the <clears> crossbar, and thinking, and maybe in Ireland we're even more aware of like Serbia aren't mugs, like we actually know that no. they're they're okay and. Um, and I thought the one thing as well that I took from it, I did see the stats afterwards. And I mean, again, we would know that Serbia attacking wise are very good. and well, maybe you had three efforts all, off target and that was it or something. Yeah. So I mean yeah. we'll we'll probably talk about it, you know, a bit later on in the context of England. Like, you know, defences are very important for, for winning tournaments and maybe they were flat in other ways, um, but they do have a lot of the ingredients, don't they?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it, the first round of games are obviously done now, and, you know, Brazil are kind of joining um, Spain, really, and, and England uh, as probably the most impressive side so far. Um, we'll come back after the break and uh, preview of today's games with uh, Gary Breen to look at England and Wales. Gary, how's things? Are you enjoying the World Cup so far?
0: I am. I really am in terms of the games that we've seen recently. At first, you're kind of waiting for it to kind of like take off. But from the moment of that Saudi Arabia game against Argentina, this World Cup has had liftoff. I have really enjoyed that game.
2: Yeah, and looking ahead to tonight, I mean, obviously you're based over in England there. They had a very impressive victory against against Iran. Was there any particular aspect of it that you kind of thought, you know, exceeded what you you expected going into the game?
0: I think in terms of the confidence with which they played with it, there was a lot of pressure going into the game. No winning six matches, their performances in the nation league, and of course those results against Hungary. So there was a lot of, as you know, the press over here, build that team up. But when there's a bad performance, they really liked start Um, creating a lot of pressure in and around the player. So it was a really impressive performance. Listen, you have to take into account the quality of the opposition. But in terms of the front play that that England have and the dynamic attributes they have in that central midfield here and notably now Bellingham to go alongside Rice, you can see what the strengths of this England team are and, and they are offensive. There's still question marks about them defensively. I think they'll be tested the further they go into the competition, but it's a brilliant start for them.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you from if if you were playing against them, you know, from a defensive point of view, obviously Harry Kane's a superb striker who would be you know straight up against the centre backs, but th- those three players in behind them, be it Saka, Mount, Sterling, Foden, yeah. Grealish, how difficult is it to kind of combat those in terms of like do you try and step into them? Do you get your midfield to step back? What way is what way would you kind of think about trying to trying to stop them?
0: Well, I think ultimately is, is a massive challenge because if you think about Harry Kane as a quintessential number nine. You think about him playing on the shoulders and then Sterling as such in in behind as such in that area, that 10 area. But they actually play very differently in that Harry Kane would drop into that 10 area and get on a half turn. So as a centre-half, you've got to make a decision. Do you go in there with him? And if you do, then you know that they've got that pace running in behind you, the likes of Sterling in behind. Saka, of course. They've got real quality. And I think if they're getting good ball into them, which they were from Rice and notably Bellingham, you've got a really tough challenge. I, I genuinely... I generally think they'll cause most teams in this competition problems. In fact, I think they would call any defence in this World Cup problems. But it's just their defence which will be the key to how far England actually go. But in terms of physically going up against this England offensive unit, so difficult.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Gary, we're probably looking to see what is the difference between England in this tournament compared yeah. to the Euros. and. Bellingham is a big one that springs to mind, right? I mean, he yeah. what what does he give to them maybe that they lacked before?
0: But it, ultimately, he gives you that star quality in central midfield because if you think about England's team getting to the semi-final of the World Cups last time and then the Euros. Quite industrious in midfield, you know. Talk about those two holding midfielders. They've got someone like Bellingham who can actually do that. But he's a throwback to the other days of midfielders like Roy Keane, Stephen Gerrard, who can actually do both. And I think he he really elevates this team. To, to a level that they genuinely have got a chance of winning this now. I think there was lots of times where you thought, yeah, they can get to a certain position. They can get to the last four. Did They have that special quality in that key area to do this. And I think that's a massive amount of pressure to put on someone who's 19 years of age. But I think you have to do it. I think you genuinely look at his, his quality and what he gives this England team. And I think he does make the difference. You think about the semi-final in the last World Cup, and now you've got four players who have come into the team since... Berlin, as we've mentioned, Declan Rice, Saka, these type of guys, it's real quality and Foden, of course, as well. So as they get to a semi-final without those four, you bring those four brilliant talents back into that squad. Now they're going to go close. Uh,
1: I suppose the counterpoint to that is, right, people will say still that defences will will, yeah. will will win tournaments. And, yeah. the, okay, it was a little bit of junk time the other day, but they, they did concede two goals. Um USA probably have the ability to cause them a little bit more problems. Like we saw even how they played against Wales in the first half, they were very good. I mean, what, what concerns you about that England defence? And like, what, I don't know, what's, what's the best approach for them in this regard to
0: sort of navigate the rest of the competition? Well, ultimately, Dan, attack being the best form of defence, you're going to have to try and outscore people because if you're conceding two goals and the two goals that they conceded are, are a major worry, you think about the goal, little reverse pass inside Harry Maguire. It's everything we know about his frailty as a centre-half. I'm no surprised that he's coming to Southgate's team because he's brilliant in terms of his ball-carrying ability and his physicality at set-pieces. That's, that's obvious. But any little balls down the sides of him, and a team like Iran can cause him problems, the better forwards as you go deeper into this competition will do likewise. But there's another example again of a straight pass inside stones. You saw Pickford making a brilliant save onto the crossbar, and you're thinking, how are these players causing you problems? And that's the worry for Southgate. I think he genuinely needs to address it. I think he he probably knows that they don't have a World Cup winning centre half partnership or a defensive unit, so they have to they're going to have to be um, as good as they can going forward to, to protect those players because they're not at the level, as you quite rightly said it's the defenders that win you World Cups as we said so often before they're the ones that win you titles
2: and just before we move on to Wales uh, Gary in, in terms of Stones and Maguire they seem to be players who like getting on the front foot almost like getting out in front of the centre forwards. but increasingly as they play against the better teams that kind of that kind of tactic for them was would seem to cause them problems that it's leaving space in behind. Is that something you think that Southgate will just say, look, let the two lads in front protect you and you kinda of hold your position or is, is that a deliberate ploy, do you think?
0: Well, you you look at the type of passes in anyone in behind, you know that Pickford is the type of goalkeeper who come out sweeping behind, but it it does it's not like you haven't got to be a football expert to recognise that Stones and notably, Maguire struggle with little balls in behind them. So you're, you're probably saying a, a, good, a better starting position, reading the game in a range, and we know how much of a role Declan Rice plays in terms of patrolling, blocking those passing channels into him. But there's going to be moments where even him and Bellingham, who are a throwback in terms of playing two in central midfield because of their athleticism, you normally have to go with a three. But I think I think it's literally going to have to be about how well those two guys perform. Maguire and Stones because at this level and certainly as you go deeper into the competition you can't be holding the hands of your center half. they're going to have to perform so that is the worry there are moments where you know they will be vulnerable but I think they're just going to have to try and outscore teams
2: and and moving on to Wales to play around this morning obviously they had a a tough game against USA Bale came up Trump's is it just going to be a case of the old guard? They look to the old guard, Bale, Ramsey, and even you know, Kiefer Moore, the likes of those kind of players to, to get them through, or Bra- Brandon Johnson can kind of add a bit of, bit of X-factor to them. Do you think that they'll have enough to get by Iran today?
0: Well, I, I, in terms of how Iran performed, yes, I do. Um, but I would worry against the better teams, as you, as you quite rightly said, Aidan. Think about how dominant... The Americans were in that central midfielder in that first half. That was a massive concern. And you talk about the old guard, Bale, Ramsey, they actually looked their age, I felt, and they weren't alone. Athletic, athletically, they looked like they were short wells. And I don't know whether or not that can be the emotion of the first half of a World Cup. We probably experienced something similar in that first game against Cameroon all those years ago. The nervousness, the occasion maybe gets you a little bit, and in the second half you relax a little bit. They went after the Americans and, and, and they improved, they really did. But the concern, and, and Robert Page said about it, is that they couldn't play through the Americans' press. So they made the decision to take Dan James off for his pacing behind and, and go a bit more route one. And, and, and I applaud that. I think a lot of teams try and play through the first because it's, it's, it's easy on the eye, but you've got to be yes. effective. And certainly, even more coming on was that. Now, I would expect them to be able to beat Iran, and then you're in a, a relatively good position. But in terms of going up against England, I, I would worry for Wales in terms of how dominant the USA were in midfield and England are about four or five stages above that with the quality that, that they have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose like the, the, the it's a strange dynamic. It's actually the opposite to what you had in 0-2, that your second game was against Germany. So mm-hmm. the, game you, you, the game you needed to win was the last one. So I know it was a slightly different order. But I don't know, do you think the way the Welsh players got back to the hotel and they can just almost relax a bit into the tournament with that point? Or is it a bit different because they're straight away into... Well, this is the must-win game. They, they, yeah. they possibly know deep down if they don't win this game, that could yeah, be curtains.
0: You know. Yeah, I think Dan. I think ultimately they'll have gone back to that hotel, and you get you take that that, that bus ride back there, and you, you gather your thoughts. And I think they'll be in a great mood because that felt like a win in the end in terms of the late equaliser. We had made that as a key fixture really in this group. How. USA and Wales would get on against each other. You kind of put it down that you'd expect them to beat Iran. And then you're looking at the difficult game against the strongest team in the group, England. So I think they'll be delighted with that. And I think hopefully now they're able to settle down and they're able to build on that. But ultimately it's about winning and putting to bed the lesser teams. You've got to win those games. And
2: Gary, could I just take you back when you were talking about 2002? We're not quite going back that far, but November 1st, 2006, there was a game between Southampton and Wolves of a 17-year-old Gareth Bale against a, a non-17-year-old Gary Breen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you do you remember, remember much? I know you played an awful lot of games. remember much about that game or playing Bale or noticing anything about him at the time?
0: Well, I, you, you kind of... You, you certainly, he wasn't recognisable in terms of what he went on to become. You look at a young player, and, and Southampton were producing those type of guys, weren't they? Theo Walcott, those type of guys, really good young players. They had a great infrastructure um, in the youth de- department there. I think I was up against Kenwin Jones, so he's a big hulk in center force. so I was probably more preoccupied with him. But in terms of what Gareth Bale has done, I mean, it is is—it is. I mean, it, it literally is a an unbelievable career. And listen, we're looking at him in terms of the big moments. And I think a lot of the game passes in by now for Wales. And why wouldn't he at his age and, and ultimately where he is in his fitness level? He hasn't played that much in LA this season. But in that key moment, he's able to get his body there, read the situation, draw the foul from that defender. Poor, poor defending to be perfect. Yeah, sucks him in, knows the contact's coming and then puts the penalty away. And it's moments like that. And I think in this World Cup, this will, this will be about him. Can he can he produce those moments? We're not going to see those swashbuckling runs from deep that we've seen so often for Real Madrid and Wales in his youth, younger days as such. But still, those key moments. And he's such a, a talisman from us, such a leader, the go-to man. But I think in terms of them being competitive at this World Cup, I think other players are going to have to come to the fore as well.
2: Gary, that's great. Thanks very much for your insight and uh, we'll hopefully speak to you again before the end of the tournament.
0: Yeah, good luck, lads. Thanks for that.
2: Some good insight there from Gary, Dan. Um, We talked about England and Wales and you're going to try and catch both games today.
1: Yeah, I am. I'm doing the double. I am coming round to thinking um, maybe doing two games in a day is... uh, It's a great thing to be able to do in theory, but in practice, like it's maybe not the most uh, constructive way to like manage your workday. Um, but I am doing this one. Yeah, I'm doing the job. I know Logistically, what's that like? So it just involves getting up. See, um Wales are playing in Al Rayan stadium, which actually isn't too bad. It's it's not a million miles from the media center. Like basically the media centre, right? This is this old airport. Um, and it's like a guitar convention center it's basically a central hub i, I suppose in, in in sort of a in irish terms you can just imagine it like busaurus really except you've all the media okay. facilities there and all the buses to the stadiums go out from there and i've basically actually figured out that like doing two stadiums in a day it makes more sense to like get the bus to the first game get the bus back to the uh to okay. the to the hub to bus orders, and then go out again on the later one because the buses so it is are, very much like Irish travel <laughs> Yeah, you just go round in circles. But the uh the uh the, the the thing about it is is that like the buses are the only things that can get parked very close to the stadiums. So while you can not get the metro or you can get, trying. people can go try and get a cab. You have this big, long walk that defeats the purpose. The buses, and once the driver doesn't get lost, uh, which has happened on a couple of occasions, they bring you right up there. So uh, I am doing it. Al Rayan, where Wales play, isn't a million miles away. Um, uh, Al Bate, where England are playing in the night game, is quite, a, is the furthest flung, I think, or one of the furthest flung um and that means that you're going to be getting back very very late in the night so we think about that night game is like 10 p.m kickoff at uh, local time mm-hmm. they are long days if you're doing the morning game as well but uh, i'm going to yeah. do it tomorrow because uh, the one thing about uh, i mentioned this before like you know you're you're if you're doing a if you're from the irish press you get into all the english and wales games have your own desk seat everything um some of the other games are a little bit more on the fringes in an overflow section so uh, there's okay. does, does many reasons to it on top of the football but um, the football I actually um, I mean when you have the the political angle to Iran and, and what's happening and the emotion around the anthem and Absolutely, seeing yeah. them I mean in Wales you have this thing now where the fans are going to be allowed to sort of uh, you know, bring in their rainbow hats or, you know, just sort of to make some kind of gesture, which is classic FIFA trying to uh, damage, you know, d- exercise some kind of damage limitation here. Um, but, like, you're just conscious, I mean, that that of an event might be just, there's a sort of a, as, as we mentioned from yeah, start, the start. Iranian like this, anthem as well. Yeah. yeah, like, the story of this tournament is the backdrop to it, and again, like, this is a game where you feel like you want to see The 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 the, some of the stuff around it as well as the game itself. England USA to me is a cracking match. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I think it has the potential to be a a cracking game uh, because I think USA are actually have an exciting streak to them in some ways, Mm -hmm. and I think even maybe even more so in a game where they're the underdog. Uh, they'll have to keep, and we've 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 spoken about England and Wales with with Gary there. So we don't really need to go over England these games dramatically again? Mm-hmm. We've done it, um, but you just you just have the sense that for England it's a little bit of a different test where it could be really sucker punched by a a team. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to the football aspect of that game.
2: Um, we might as well get into our predictions now, Dan. So let's just go chronologically, I suppose. Wales against Iran. How do you see that?
1: Oh, I I think. Um, I think I'm going for Wales to eke it out, maybe. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think Iran obviously were rolled over by England quite comfortably. Um, does that mean they're going to be the the whipping boys of the the group? I'm not 100% convinced that's going to be the case, but I, I, maybe I will go for a narrow Wales win.
2: Yeah, I think I might go for a draw on this, for one, a one-all draw. I've been a bit... Uh... A bit optimistic with my goals predictions recently so uh yeah yeah given 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 what given what went on in the games in the games yesterday there's
1: a mad stat that i think wales since 2020 a third of their goals have come after the 88 minute in games okay uh, 80 minutes later so uh don't switch off if um yeah if that game is if that's if that game is boring you with 10 minutes to go because
2: the, tends to even more chance now with the amount of injury time that's that's being added on true. In these games. Yeah, true. Uh, Qatar Senegal is again. It's very very difficult. It's almost a pick a number type again.
1: Can Qatar be that bad again, or Qatar can can they be that bad again? Like was it just a perfect storm in terms of like being the host and the nerves and all of that? Um, I I'll take Senegal to win, but again in a narrow a narrow one nil type of way rather than an, an emphatic way.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go for three-one Senegal on this. I think it's their it's their chance to try and get themselves ahead of Ecuador going into their final game. So that's I, I think they'll be well motivated for that one. Um, Netherlands and Ecuador, um, it's both were reasonably impressive to start.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are a lot of Ecuador fans around the place actually. Um, I suppose like all the South American teams, but like not a team we know too much about. Uh, and as we've mentioned, like you know, uh, young enough side. Like I think this is a sort of a free hit game for them in a sort of a strange way. Although, will they approach it more cautiously and just try and somehow get a point and that really puts them, um, you know, that puts them one up on Senegal going into yeah. the last game potentially. Um, mm-hmm. But I still think this Dutch side um, will, again, I'm going for another narrow win. I'm going for narrow wins in pretty much all the games here tomorrow. I'm not going for any draws. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think maybe, yeah, one nil to the Dutch.
2: I'll go one all just to be just to be different. I think it is going to be close though. It's going to be one of those one of those games that we've seen a few of so far. And then finally we've covered it a lot with, with Gary so briefly we could England and Wales prediction England USA I'll let you go I'll let you go sorry. first England, England USA I've had that, I've had have had England and Wales on the brain all day so for some <laughs> reason I'm I'm conflating kind of them so I'm a few days ahead of myself. I'm going to go 1-0 England in this. Um, I think yeah. it'll be tight, but I think it's enough.
1: I think last week I wouldn't have tipped England to win this game but I'm probably looking at it now going yeah forget that Nations League stuff maybe Um, maybe there's concerns about them still in the knockout but I mean maybe we're conditioned to England not being good but you look at some of their options relative uh, or maybe we're conditioned to England being overhyped but actually you look at the, the squad they have relative to other teams and you're thinking no, like this is a no. this is a pretty good squad. Um, they can back up uh, the hype. With the, with yeah, well, we you see, so you look at the Premier League players that are excelling with other sides. Like you see, someone like Richarlison or whatever, and, and you know, amazing stuff. And you realize, yeah, like, but like, how is he perceived in the Premier League relative to even some of these English stars? You know, like you have to sort of have that in your mind. Um, yeah, he's a support so, yeah, striker for Hurricane. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I probably now dudes I, I sort of fancy England. um I felt like the first game could, I said it, they could make or break them. And in the fact that they've actually sort of stormed through that game. Um, I'll go for England 2-1, but I think there'd be, I think the USA will keep them on their toes. I can see them scoring, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. but, but England still just to be able to do enough to win.
2: That's great, Dan. Thanks very much. I hope the logistics tomorrow go well and your step count stays high. Um, 20,000 a, 20, a day. 20,000 a day. day. That's, the, that's That's the, a high that's bar the, to live up to when you come home.
1: It's a new standard, yeah. Definitely.
2: <laughs> Thanks for listening, I Made No Hard And that was the end of World Cup. Please subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.